It gives me great pleasure today to be talking to Ian Cartwright-Thompson as part of the Northern Voices programme at Messons Yorkshire. Ian is the managing director of the internationally acclaimed furniture company, Robert Thompson's Craftsman Limited, more often known simply as the Mouse Man. The company is based in the small village of Kilburn in North Yorkshire, and it was founded over a hundred years ago by Ian's great-grandfather, Robert Thompson. Ian, your great-grandfather was clearly a remarkable man. He started life working for his father as a village joiner, doing everyday repairs, mending broken fences and barns. And by the time he died in 1955, he had become a household name. His company recognized throughout the world for its handmade English oak furniture of the highest quality with the little mouse carved in relief on each piece by way of a signature. Can you talk us through his extraordinary journey and give us an insight into what inspired him? Well, I think you've got to start with great-great-grandfather, really, Julia, because he moved into Kilburn Village in 1873 to become the village joiner. Right. And that was really the start of our family business. Okay. It wasn't until Robert took over running the business, it became what we know now as, you know, Robert Thompson's Craftsman Limited and the Mouseman of Kilburn. Right. But, uh, you know, great-grandfather, when he took over the business, he's a, he had great aspirations to want to repeat the work that the sort of 15th century craftsman had done. And that was due to him being sent at 14 years of age on a, um, uh, an apprenticeship to be an engineer because his father, yeah, his father, John, thought with the industrial revolution taking place, it was the best thing for Robert. It had the best future for him. So he was apprenticed to a company, the Garnet Wire Company over in Cleckheaton, West Yorkshire. Right. So it wasn't until his father, John, was taken ill that Robert actually came back into the fold and started working and helping out in the family business. I see. Yeah, so it's, a, it's sort of a, an interesting way for Robert to start. It wasn't as though he left school and came straight into uh, the, the uh, family joinery business. Um, it was his father who thought the best thing for him. I mean, he did know people over in the West Riding and that's how he ended up over there. But I'm sure that was the start of it because the journeys from Kilburn to Cleckheaton, he had to go through Ripon. Right. Changed buses in Ripon, and he had, you know, probably a couple of hours to spend before he caught the next bus to go okay. on to Cleckheaton. Yes. And then he would go into Ripon Cathedral and he would sketch the Bensens right. and the carvings that the medieval craftsmen had created. So that was really the starting point for him. And that's why you see this ecclesiastical look to a lot of our pieces of furniture that we still produce today. Yes. I mean, even, even the items that we make today were designed, the original ones were designed by great-grandfather, Robert. Right, right. So, and, and we're just a, I suppose, a continuation. We're just the keepers of our <laughs> family business. I mean, we, 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 we received it and we want to hand it over in better condition to the next generation. Yes, yes, yes. So he, he was really, so that it, he had a sort of epiphany moment when he was in Ripon Cathedral um, 
drawing and that's when he sort of exactly. saw what he really wanted to do. He understood that, that actually reviving the medieval tradition of wood carving was, was his calling. I think uh, because he, he'd had a look at the Industrial Revolution and didn't like what he saw. Right. You know, he was involved with the sort of cotton industry because uh, Wynett Gar Company used to make machines for stripping the flax out of the wool. So he would have known all about the conditions yes. in the cotton mills yes. and everything yes. else. Yes. And all he wanted to do was to get back to Kilburn and start creating what he'd seen in Ripon Cathedral. That's so, so interesting. Yeah, yes. so that was a real inspiration for him, those trips. I yes. mean, maybe if he hadn't been apprenticed uh, as an engineer in Cleckheaton, he would never have made might not have been what we are today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Who yeah, knows? Yeah. That's I mean, such a good story, isn't it? Yeah, in fact, his father's is. wish to connect him to the, the high tech of, of the day actually had really? the reverse effect of driving him back to looking exactly. at shows you where his non mechanical non mechanical means of production. He just wanted to get back to Hearts of Oak yes. and creating things that were going to last for hundreds of years. I mean, originally when he was producing furniture, you know, he said he would um, unconditionally guarantee it for a hundred years, but then he changed that and said, no, no, no it's going to last indefinitely. <laughs> as long as people look after it, it'll be there in centuries to come. Yes, yes, And yes. how right, I mean, some of those early pieces now are over a hundred years old, so. And they look superb. Yeah, and they look actually better than new pieces, I have to say, <laughs> you know, the older pieces, you know, because the work that's gone into it, because in, you've got to think back in the 19, in, in the 1900s, 1920s, labor costs were very low. It was yes. the cost of the material and actually extracting timber from woodlands and converting it into plank, because this was before mechanization of machinery for mm -hmm. sawing the logs. Mm -hmm. Those were all cut by hand in those early days, yes. in a pit, yes. you know, or over a pit. So they would one have one apprentice down in the bottom with a wide brimmed hat, yes. so the sawdust didn't go in his face. And, you know, the senior craftsman would be stood on top, mm. you know, with a pit saw, sawing them into planks of oak. And that's how, you know, life was for him in those early days. Sure, sure. He had a couple of what were farm hands that he'd taken on and started to train after his father had died. I mean, he did have his brother William, but his brother William wasn't interested in woodwork. All he wanted to do was be a farmer. Right. So... You know, you can't take uh, that out of somebody. So he went off farming when Robert started expanding the business. So, so did Robert, in a way, teach himself through observing and drawing, or did he Very go off? And, so. No, he so never he self-taught in a sense. He was totally self-taught, apart from what he picked up from his father. Yeah. But yeah. he always said his father was very crude because he was a joiner and not a cabinet maker. Right. Yes, because he became a true cabinet maker. Exactly. And you know. And and you have drawings that he made in Ripon Cathedral, do you? Because I have seen drawings it. that date back to when great grandfather first started. Right. We have over ten thousand drawings, in, you know, in our sort of filing system that we can still I still use today for inspiration for new jobs. Yes. And the books that he collected, that uh, I mean, I still have those books, and I still use the books for inspiration. All his notes are written on the pages by the side with right. reference to where he was going to use it and what he was going to do with it. Yes. And then he would, you know, mix it into a piece of furniture. So it would become part of the recipe for 
and part of the design, of course. Yes. So yes. all of those early, the thinking behind it was he just wanted to recreate what was getting lost because of this industrial revolution that was taking place. Yes, and don't forget, we had the arts and crafts movement exactly. happening at the same time. So, so he was really it, in tune with that, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. people like William Morris and all those other, you know, people that were very inspirational with the arts and crafts movement, he would have been looking up to them. Yes. And the cultural yes. movement, you know, yes. that was all part of the scene that was going on. Absolutely. Don't, don't forget, you know, there was no television, so it wasn't, you know, all he was working on was his work, sure. you know, sure. Sure. producing drawings for ecclesiastical jobs. And of course, that then led in to the domestic pieces because of, you know, a lot of those early pieces, um, well, the, the first real change of direction for him was a, a meeting with Father Paul Neville from uh, Ampleforth. Yes. He was then the, the village priest of the, um, the church there in the village. And uh, on his travels, he'd come across a... Um, a corpus of Christ, sort of life-size, five foot six, this figure was, and he wanted a cross to mount it on in the churchyard in memory of all of those who'd been lost in the First World War. Yes. So he called great-grandfather to a meeting and said, you know, would he be interested in making this cross? And, of course, great-grandfather said, yes, of course we will. <laughs> he didn't have the timber, but... <laughs> He, he went thought out. this was an opportunity. He, he thought, thought exactly, yeah, because he was go ahead, he is gone yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, he wanted yeah. to get on in life. Yeah. yeah, he had aspirations of creating something special, and this was all in the back of his mind. Sure, and this was the first stepping stone, the first rung of the ladder, for you know the movement to really jump forward. So he went out, he sourced a tree on one of the local estates. They went and cut it down by hand and brought it back to Kilburn and converted into these massive great sections to put this corpus of Christ on. And of course, that started the relationship with Father Paul Neville, who was then at that time, the village priest, but then went on to be the head at Ampleforth College. So an expanding college, what does it need? It needs refectory furniture, it needs a, a library, it yeah. needs to furnish all of the houses. Yeah. Who does Father Paul Neville go to? His friend. Robert Thompson, Bob down the road. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. he's just down the road, seven miles away. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, that created the, you know, the start of our business as we know yeah. it today, because on the back of that, he got various other commissions, one for um, uh, the monks' quarters over at um, uh, Workington, yeah. That was early doors, so that was another great commission because Ampleforth had a connection there. Then what about all the parents that came and saw the beautiful work that, you know, the Mouseman of Kilburn had created? And a hundred years on, it continues today. Exactly. I and mean, you've done recent work at Ampleforth, haven't you? Yes, we have. We're still doing work today for, for Ampleforth College, and we also do work for a lot of the old boys and scholars from Ampleforth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's been a lifeline to our company over the years. Yes. It really has. And the library is particularly splendid, isn't it? With those amazing chairs with the iron of St. Lawrence on the side. Well, the, the thing is that great-grandfather used to call that his room. 
That's right. It was my yeah. library or something. You know, he really right. because yeah. he put so much into it. And I think that, you know, he was so proud. He used to take potential clients over to Amplethorpe. It became his showroom. Yes. Yes. Oh, that was that, that, that's fantastic. Um, but um, in, in this series, we're talking about also the importance of roots and the importance of where people are born. And I guess that his Yorkshire identity was really important to him. Did he, did he use Yorkshire trees in his... In his he, would in, he would initially, but then he would have to search farther afield because of the quantity of timber that he would have needed. Right. Between the warriors, he was employing 40 men. So, yeah. you know, they're going to get through quite a bit of timber. But um, driven and, 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 and passionate and busy as he was, did your great-grandfather, I mean, he left Yorkshire, he didn't, I guess he didn't have much time to leave Yorkshire, he must have spent most of his time. The only time he left Yorkshire was when he went off to survey a, a site, you know, if it was a commission in the south, he sure. would then maybe go off on a tour around the country and he would combine so, sort of three survey jobs at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was it was very rare because he had so much work on board, Absolutely. you know, all the drawings he was doing. I mean, in, initially he was obviously working at the bench, but because he was so busy and employing 40 men, he had yeah. the business to run. So he was both a very, very skilled craftsman, but he was also a businessman. I mean, yes. he had both heads on him. Well, I think the business side came from Amplethorpe with oh. the with the meetings that he had with Father Paul Neville, I think he pushed him down that route. He suggested books that he should read mm -hmm. and he even gave him, I've got books in the collection in the office from Father Paul Neville to Robert. So in mm. fact, his business advisor was the, the local priest who then exactly. became the, the, the abbot of, of Ampleforth. Oh, yes, very much so. If we were talking about, you know, what makes a mouse man furniture, recognizably a mouse man furniture, that technique seems to be central to your practice. Very much so. I mean, it's one of the oldest cabinet makers tools invented. It was invented before the plane was invented and that tool was used and you will often see the effect on very old properties, uh, almost like beaten copper on the surface of the timber. So it's a and ripple that, effect. It's a, yeah, it's a rippled effect. And they use that for truing a round log and making it into a square beam because right. it was the quickest way. Don't forget, no planing machines or saws. Yes. So it was quicker to add it all off by hand. I mean, if you go to the Arab countries, you'll still use, see them being used for building dows on the beach, small hand adzes, because they come in different shapes and sizes. Yes. The one that we use for creating the finish is the uh, carpenter's adz. And uh, as I say, that was used for you know, drawing up beams that were in properties. You know, uh, the beams in York Minster would have originally been adzed by hand in yes. buildings in Westminster Abbey. Yes. You know, they will have all had an ad surface. But what great grandfather saw, he saw it as a, a decorative finish yes. Yes. that would make his distinctive style unique. I mean, there are various things obviously the use of the English oak, yes. there's the adzing, yep. the lattice work that we use in the panels on the backs of the chairs, yes. and of course the mouse, the carved yes. mouse. So those are the three key features. Very much so, you know, and if, it, if something displays those three items, well then it's, 
it's definitely a mouseman piece. Yes. And you know, that's, that's a good way of recognising those early pieces that he produced. Yes. They came out of the workshop at Kilburn. And um, in terms of number of people, are you, are you, the training that you give your apprentices in, can you talk us through how you train yeah. people and how long yeah. it takes? And I guess well, they're learning all through their careers with you, in fact, yeah. but the initial I mean, training. I've, I've been in the business 50 odd years and I still learn something every week. Yes, yes. About my trade. So, you know, and that's what keeps me interested in what I'm doing. Yes. Uh, yes. But with the apprenticeship, and all the members of the family that are in the business have all had an apprenticeship in the workshop or been through an apprenticeship because that's part of the deal. Nobody can come in from college or school and go straight in. They have to go onto the bench yes. and learn how to make a piece of furniture because you cannot tell anybody how to do it unless you can make it yourselves. And yes. even down to the design side. Yes. But with our apprenticeship, it's a minimum of four years on a one-to-one -one basis. So all the training is done in-house. So yeah. when a student comes to us, we usually take them on a sort of two or three week trial period to see what their interest level is like, see what their, if they have any skills, their aptitude towards working with their hands. Yes. Because if they're interested to learn, we can teach them. Yes. And with the training, because our senior craftsmen, all of them have a slightly different way, even to carving the mice. You know, everybody carves a mouse slightly differently, different style. Yes. Um, but it's, I mean, with the training, it's a lifetime of learning, Julia. At the end of the day, you know, you never stop learning. Yes. So, yes. you know, that's, that's the challenge that we've got. And then we have to pass those skills on to the apprentice of today, which is the craftsman of tomorrow. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, we're proud to be Yorkshire. Our hearts are in Yorkshire. Our business in Yorkshire. A lot of our clients are in Yorkshire. But, uh, you know, we, we send furniture to people around the world, but most of them have a Yorkshire connection. Oh, you know, true. if you're born in Yorkshire, you have a strong connection with Yorkshire. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's hope that people come to your visitor centre when it reopens and they can see your craftsmen using your tools. I know you do demonstrations and that they'll be inspired to join your team and to think afresh about a career using their hands? Well, I certainly hope so, because I mean, we have a viewing gallery into the workshop yeah. so they can see what's happening on the shop floor. Absolutely. I mean, we, we have nothing to hide. We like people to see it. Yeah. One of the best selling aspects for us is to take somebody who's interested in what we do and is interested in our products yes. around the workshop and nine times out of 10, they will end up being one of our customers and clients because they've been... It, they've seen what goes into everything Absolutely. and that's the difference yes. it's not been chinged out it's not plastic fantastic yeah. these are items that are made with a pair of those yes. you know and, and the love that's gone into creating it you can only see when you see it happening and 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 isn't it true that you have one man who oversees the creation of a single piece that they see it through from the beginning that's to right the item they see it from start to finish. Yeah. And that's what's unique about what we do. It's not a production line. Everybody yeah. has their own workstation and they're assigned a job. And everybody is, can make everything, all of the standard items. We have over 130 standard items that we make. Yes. And everybody can make each one of those items. Yeah. And that's what the training is all about. Yes. You know, making sure that 
all of those apprentices have chance to experience making each of those standard items, yeah. as well as the, the drawing jobs and the special pieces that we make yeah. for yeah. designers and clients around the yeah. globe. Thank you, Ian. It's been right. a You're real welcome. pleasure and, and so interesting to talk to you today. Jolly good. Thank you.